Hello, everyone. This is Vincent Pacillo, host of the MSU Debbie May podcast. We have another amazing episode planned for you today. We recently hosted Kim Hadlock. Kim is a professor at Michigan State University who teaches classes that mainly deal with business communication. She helps students to establish stronger connections to ideas, concepts, other people, and even within themselves. In addition to her roles in the classroom, she is the faculty advisor for the Spectrum Consulting Group and the Spartan Relief Initiative, along with working at Michigan State University's Russell Palmer Career Management Center. In today's episode, we talked about the importance of business and personal communication, key presentation skills, and so much more. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. I'm here with Professor Kimberly Hadlock. Kim, thanks for being with us today. Vincent, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to speak with you. Awesome. Awesome. So just to start off real quick, um, tell us how you got started in your career, where, where you are now, and how you end up in Michigan State. Yeah, I appreciate that um, introduction. I have a non-traditional career path. So when I first graduated Um, college, I entered into a master's degree program and began my tenure in the classroom as what is now known as a GSI. Back then it was a TA, a teaching assistant, and loved being in the college classroom. So for my master's degree, I progressed into a, I worked for a while, then progressed into a doctoral program, but my background was all in science. So very different than traditional business. Through a long and winding path, I have developed a specialty in teaching business communication skills, and that predominantly includes public speaking, presentation skills, uh, writing, business professional writing, as well as the skills needed for successful interpersonal communication. I've been at Michigan State since 2017. I'm loving my experience at the Broad College. Have met so many amazing students, as well as other professionals, both alumni as well as teaching professionals um, and researchers within the college. And I have the pleasure this year of um, starting in January, teaching my first class directly for the wealth management, um, either minor students or the new master's degree program that they've started. And it will be a class focused on enhancing business communication skills for success after graduation. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. So you mentioned interpersonal communication. So let's really expand on that for a little bit. Why do you think that's so important, not just within a wealth management context, but just in a business context and just like for daily life skills and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, the communication is the foundation of what we do. We are relational people. We tend to connect with others just as I'm connecting with you here today on a regular basis. And our ability to communicate is really our power in life. It's our ability to express our thoughts, to express our ideas, to create and share and generate enthusiasm for those who are interested in entrepreneurship. Our communication skills also are what set the foundation for trust for relationships, for connection in our personal as well as our professional lives. So in that regard, it's, it's one of the foundational layers of everything that we're doing on a daily basis, personally or professionally. And that's part of what makes it so exciting. Wealth management, or a little more specific actually to this COVID era, 
I mean, a lot of students are telling me and a lot of professionals I interact with that their business communication skills, you know, need a little sharpening after COVID. They've spent a few too many days holed up in their bedrooms in their fuzzy sweatpants or hiding behind a monitor um, for Zoom conversations instead of face-to-face conversations. And a lot of what people are reporting is that they've lost confidence, They've lost confidence. And that confidence is incredibly important in all aspects of business because that is part of how someone trusts you. And you are seen, especially as a young individual, as credible in your field. We want you to come across with confidence in what you do know. And sometimes that also includes acknowledging the things that you don't yet know. Mm. But COVID has definitely put a damper on the communication skills for so many individuals. And then I also think that young college students right now, they have grown up in an era of having smartphones which is different than even college students of five or 10 years ago. And these students have had smartphones often since elementary school. They have text individuals and have a lot less face-to-face or even phone conversational skills, just in terms of the number of hours of practice that they've developed. And it's a much different situation gaining feedback when we are face-to-face with someone as opposed to if we're emailing or texting someone. So I think the era of COVID and the digital era that young people are growing up in now really emphasizes the importance of these skills and practicing them. 100%. So you you talk a little bit about confidence while like presenting and with um, interpersonal communication skills. And I feel like that as a student, like coming from the perspective of a student, when people present, I feel like that's like the biggest thing that people struggle with when presenting and do and or group projects in general. So what are ways that people can improve their confidence when presenting or just communicating in general? So the interesting thing is that we know through social science that the number one way to develop confidence is by taking action. Hmm. And yet so often we have limited numbers of presentations that we can do even over the course of a four-year college career. And part of that is due to classroom size. Part of that is due to the online nature of some classes. So two things about that. One is that I structure all of my classes to be a flipped classroom environment. Mm. So students do their reading and they prepare and learn most of the material by themselves outside of class. So we can use the class time as a practicum. And some of my classes, be them 10 weeks or 15 weeks, students will have either eight presentations that they'll give in a 10-week period, or they'll have 12 opportunities to stand up and speak in front of peers and receive feedback over 15 weeks. Mm. That action right there builds confidence. A lot of students have an expectation that they are working hard in order to achieve their goals and that if they have two presentations in a given semester, they should be able to knock it out of the park. But a practice of only two presentations is a pretty low number. Certainly for individuals who are in that scenario or individuals in any scenario, recording yourself on your phone and analyzing that recording with a curious mindset, simply looking at it through more of a scientific or or objective lens of what can I do to improve this? Generally speaking with public speaking, that's funny, generally speaking, with public speaking, we look at three different areas that we're talking about. We're looking at the content. 
Have you organized the content of what you are sharing with your audience in a way that's clear, that's easy for them to understand, and that they can leave that without too much information, knowing mm -hmm. the clear takeaways and the next steps that they should take in order to solve their problem. There's a lot of emphasis on storytelling because that's an effective way to help people listen to you. Right. And I go um, over a lot of that in classes, as well as having books that I'd be happy to recommend. Yeah. Another thing with public speaking is the nonverbal communication. What do you do? And you'll see it on video if you record yourself before a presentation. What do you do that signals nervousness, discomfort? Or for college students, there's often a desire to just get through this presentation as quickly as possible, as opposed to viewing it as an opportunity, an opportunity to converse, to have a conversation, to share information that you're excited about giving yeah. to someone else. Really, yeah. it's a gift in a lot of ways. And then the third part of that is the actual verbal delivery. Many students struggle with, um, uh, like I said, like so, <laughs> you know, it's really common. Yeah. And learning that through video analysis is one way to have something to work towards. Public speaking is different than a lot of other skills that you develop in a college classroom. Yeah. A lot of times students who are most successful are those who try the hardest. Public speaking, we have to relax into. The more pressure that someone puts on themselves, honestly, the worse the outcome gets. I've seen students try to memorize entire speeches, don't ever want that to happen. Mm -hmm. I've seen students that get so stressed and so nervous because they're just stressing over a grade. Mm -hmm. I've had a policy in most of my classes that if a student receives below an 80%, they simply need more practice. They don't need to have the stress of, I'm going to fail this presentation. It's simply come back again. Let's do it again and again and again until we see improvement. And that improvement is pretty objective when we're looking at it through a videotape lens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really love how that instead of if you get a lower grade, it's just an opportunity for you to get better by practicing more. I think that's awesome. So absolutely. Yeah. That's what's needed. Other things, 100%. tests, they get lots of practice on, right? Mm -hmm. Papers, they get lots of practice on. Of course. It's not that I won't ever give a low grade. Don't want to give the wrong idea there. Yeah. But public <laughs> right. speaking is something that we tend to do worse if we're stressed about it. So let's just gain practice. And I will tell you, there have been a few Broad students who've needed to do four or five repeats mm. in order to earn a grade that they're more satisfied with. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like, I mean, I can say like for my writing and interpersonal experience, it's practice truly does make perfect. Like I remember I looked at a paper that I wrote in eighth grade and I thought it was the best paper that I ever wrote, but I'm like, man, I've come so far. Cause like, just, just like writing so many papers and doing so many presentations and speeches, like a lot of my classes at Broad are, are very group-based projects and with presentations and stuff like that, which I think is great because in most work fields are going to be working in a group in some capacity. Absolutely. Group projects are a wonderful opportunity to gain experience with mm -hmm. communication and group dynamics. I think the other thing you touched on, though, Vincent, is the notion of maturity coupled with practice. Right. Because really our speaking, our presenting and our writing is all a reflection of our thoughts. Mm. And as we learn to become stronger thinkers, 
more analytic, better problem solvers, as we expand our breadth of knowledge just simply through the process of living and having exposure in work situations, in business situations, as well as academic ones, we start to reflect that back in the yeah. way that we speak. And you as a college senior, I'm sure have changed a lot since eighth grade. 100%. I mean, I, I would hope so, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, So um, kind of going off what you were saying too about um, like different types of communication. And when you were talking about the flipped classroom setup, have you always done that? Or was that something that just kind of developed into like you did the traditional method and then you switched to flipped classroom? Yeah, it definitely developed over the years. I, prior to coming to MSU, I used to teach at the University of Michigan, mm. and I first started using a flipped classroom set up there probably around 2013. Okay. I just found that it was a better use. Most students that I have had the pleasure of teaching are bright enough and motivated enough to read and take notes, especially if there's a quiz, you know, at the start yeah. of class and prepare on material. Communication material is often different than calculus or something that needs an in-depth explanation, right. um, different types of accounting or spreadsheets. This is something that tends to be pretty straightforward that you can read in a book. It's really the practice of it that is so much more difficult. It's a lot of life skills. A lot of people, um, almost all college students that I talk to, tell me that they care about nutrition. They wanna take good care of their health. 100%. But if I ask any of them, how many of you on a given day have eaten junk food or not gone to the gym and lazed around, it's a lot of them. So there's that yeah. disconnect between what we know and what we practice. Right. And with communication skills, it's the same thing. So being in a, a pressured situation where you're in a classroom of 20 to 40 individuals and having to break into small groups and stand up and present in front of them or interact interpersonally with, say, we'll do a guided um, exercise for listening development. Right. And we'll essentially critique them. We'll have people in small groups of six individuals, two of them, um, one talking and one listening at a time, and then the listener repeating back what they noticed through that active listening drill and four people observing it and seeing what they noticed and how yeah. was it different. It's a better use of time because it's a higher pressure situation that I believe helps students to prepare for their internships and their job experiences after college. Yeah, 100%. So in the wealth management field, um, we're meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, individual clients, husband and wives who, you know, um, and then um, businesses maybe have one or two people come in. Um, so you're presenting, instead of a group of people, you're presenting to like one, two people. Yeah. So how does the dynamic change with when you're doing it with one-on-one -on -one with people? Or it, what do you think are some things that people can take away from presenting to someone individually versus with a group? I don't think the dynamic changes a lot okay. at all. You still, your content, you have to know what you're talking about. The, the active listening is incredibly important because you're talking about a dialogue as opposed to a monologue. It's right. not just a wealth management person giving a presentation. This is interacting and the active listening is incredibly important as well as empathy, mirroring, gaining practice with generational differences, right. really picking up on the nonverbal communication because people who are in their 60s are going to have different nonverbal communication about 
entrusting their money to you than someone who's in their 20s. 100%. Um, so there's a lot of learning on the communication end of things for wealth management that is different than some other financially related positions. Mm-hmm. That being said, there's also the tremendous opportunity to make a difference and grow through those interactions. Yes. And I think that there's a tremendous reward for that. It seems like most of the students that I've taught in the finance department who are interested in wealth management already come to this with strong people skills. Yes. Already come to this with a desire of helping individuals and enjoying the process of conversing and connecting. So it's a little bit different than someone who might be interested in investment banking or mergers and acquisitions that wants more of an analyst role. Right. For those in wealth management, again, videoing yourself, and this is part of my class this upcoming semester where people are videoed with during a a pretend client interaction is going to be incredibly important because everyone is different. Just like a basketball player, we look at the players on MSU's basketball team. They need to know their strengths and weaknesses. Some of them are great three-point shooters. Some are great free throw shooters. Some are terrific with rebounding. Some have speed. Some have more control. Knowing yourself as a communicator and having a framework for understanding what your strengths are and what your challenges are is the key for moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a wide variety of communication styles. And when you start understanding what clientele you are most successful with and why, and what areas you need to actively work on to strengthen your ability to connect with new clients, that's going to make a world of difference. I totally agree. So. You mentioned something very interesting too when you were talking about the one-on-one communications and that's mirroring. Can you kind of go into that and what that is and like how that can help people? Yeah. So a lot of um, people, mirroring, first of all, is a social science construct. It's this notion that when we are with someone in a face-to-face, one-on-one, small group setting, do we start, some people naturally have more, they call it mirror neurons. Some people naturally are able to mirror back to the person who's speaking. They sort of meet them more with their tone of voice or their cadence in which mm. they're speaking. They might use similar nodding gestures or um, have, have use words that your audience can hear that may puts that other person at ease. Yeah. Some people mirroring comes less naturally and it's something they need to learn about and become attuned to. How can I help someone to feel connected to me, trusting in me, and that I'm a credible individual? Right. Part of that definitely happens through our nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication has been shown in study after study to be a really active part of the communication process, but something that most people are not even that consciously aware of. As you know, from probably studying the psychology of money and investments, a lot of people, this is a gut decision. It didn't feel right. That person didn't feel like the right advisor to me. It's not that analytically the person hasn't had success with their return on investments. Yeah. It's not that 
it doesn't make sense to go with this company. It's that subconscious sort of gut instinct. And a lot of that comes through nonverbal communication. So individuals who are a little more empathetic or who can successfully and quickly mirror others often make a stronger connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's does that clarify things enough? Oh, I yeah. Into too much neurologic detail. No, no, you're good. I mean, like, I, I think the psychological aspect of, of the way that we interact is so interesting because not only is it through words that we communicate, but it's amazing when you think about it, how much of our communication is done non-verbally, like through body language and through hand motions. And like, you can Depending tell- Depending like, on the studies, they say that about 60 to 80% of people's decision-making, if they felt comfortable with something, had to do with the nonverbal interactions. I, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing to think about like just the way that we interact and communicate. And that's mostly done through body language. So yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's an amazing dynamic. And I always tell people that I think psychology and just, just knowing how the brain works, especially within the context of wealth management is great mm -hmm. to learn because like, then you get to understand like, Where's people, where people's fears might come from or why they might be nervous about this, why they might be confident in this, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just a really cool dynamic. Absolutely. In addition to teaching, I'm also a certified life coach and it was terrific in my training on that to learn about the six basic categories of human fears and to have mm -hmm. that framework for understanding why someone might be hesitant or fearful for change or investing. And to, you know, to better be able to relate to individuals through that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, kind of describe that. That's an interesting point you bring up. Describe what it's like to be a life coach and, and, and like what that's like, because I've heard like things about being life coach and it, it just seems so interesting to me. Um, I found it fascinating. Through my years of teaching college students, I have noticed again and again that many college students would set goals for themselves. Mm -hmm. They would have a goal that they would want to achieve. And not all of the college students knew the small steps that they needed to climb towards reaching that goal. Gotcha. And a lot of my interactions, since I teach predominantly smaller classes and often have a mentorship role, is in helping to empower students to A, set goals that really utilize their strengths, because occasionally there will still be young individuals that have a goal that would not be easy or even very realistic for them to achieve, given who they are and where their strengths and challenges lie at the college. Right. So... I decided to pursue this in addition to my teaching. Um, it was a, a long, interesting process. It's been fascinating. I work at Michigan State in the Broad College at the Career Center, doing mm -hmm. career coaching um, a few hours a week in addition to my teaching. And then I also have private life coaching clients. Nice. And really, it's very practical. It's not psychology at all. Mm -hmm. It's more, you know, if you were to come in, Vincent, and say to me, I'm feeling a little stuck, I don't know if I'm on the right path as a student or in my field of interest, I would say, if you could wave a wand, right, and in 90 days, have something change for your life to tremendously improve, what would that be? And interestingly, a lot of students will come in talking about career things, but waving that wand is about a totally different area of their life. Right. And sometimes when we address those things and imbalance in their health and wellness, issues in their relationships, 
or even issues in terms of studying and having the motivation to create a successful career. We, we uncover the layers of some of the fears that are holding them back mm-hmm. and are able to demonstrate a process to them of how to set small incremental goals that are going to help you to achieve what you're looking for. I, I, to- I, I love that because I think goal setting is so powerful. And because I, and, yeah. like, I, I, I have my own goals set for myself and it's it's something that I constantly go to because like 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 what it, I, I'll say this I was listening to um, someone I follow on Instagram he's an influencer mm-hmm. and he was talking about like goal setting and why it's important and he was saying how when you set a goal you have to think about your why if yeah. if, if if and he goes Simon Sinek's work exactly right? exactly like if your why isn't good enough then why are you pursuing it is it superficial. Is it, is it something that just is not worth pursuing? Like, like these are the questions that you need to ask yourself when you are goal setting and like make it, because if your passion isn't there, if your why isn't powerful, you're not going to be motivated enough to actually accomplish that goal. Absolutely. Having a clear understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, incredibly important. Most of the people that I work with for career coaching, they set the goals for themselves similar to you, but they find themselves getting stuck. Yeah. Like I've set these goals and makes sense. This is what I want to achieve, but I'm not taking the steps I need to move forward to achieving it. And they don't always understand why. So they need a little bit of support, a little bit of accountability, and often just a different framework for their thinking because our thoughts are so important in helping us to reach those goals and really to create the type of life that we want for ourselves, career, as well as personal lives. Yeah. And so our thoughts are something that we can actively develop and shift and reframe and change. Right. And that's where a lot of our power lies. And not everyone knows or understands how to utilize that power. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 how would you utilize that power? What are the steps that that takes to utilize that? Um, ironically, I teach this in all my classes now, Vincent. Because nice. Um, so popular. And so many students have expressed an interest and a need for this. Hmm. So I'll give you just a general example, right? With with public speaking, there's something called the unconscious to conscious thought modeling process. It's taught at a lot of different life coaching programs. And we have a thought that pops into our head. And I'll give you an example. Hmm. A student might come to me and be like, I hate public speaking. I'm taking this class because I have to for the Financial Markets Institute, for the Wealth Management Program, but I hate public speaking. I'm fine one-on-one you know, with people, but I don't wanna to have to stand up and give a presentation. When they have that thought, how do you think that thought makes them feel? Down on themselves. Yeah, down on themselves 100%. a lot of times, right? So let's say they have a presentation coming up for my class and they tell me, my thought is, I hate public speaking. And I'm like, okay, given you have a presentation for a class, you cannot avoid this without severe repercussions to your grades. Right. You know, how do you feel? And a lot of them will say, I feel depressed. I feel uninspired. I don't, you know, I feel like something must be wrong with me because I want to go into this field, but I just can't motivate myself to do this. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, when you feel uninspired, depressed, unmotivated, when you feel frustrated with yourself, how does that impact your actions? 
oh, well, you know, I kind of avoid it. I procrastinate. Um, you know, they'll talk about what they do. I'll do everything except for that. I'll clean the kitchen floor. I'll do all my other homework. And then I'm like, and then what's the outcome? And they're like, well, the outcome is I just want to do the minimum I need to, to get through the presentation and have it over. Yeah. So we focus on the thought part of that. The conscious thought modeling is that I'll sit with someone and say, what can you think about this that could be true Mm. for you? And it's different for each person. But some things that have worked in the past for students like this are things like presentations always get better with practice. The more I practice, the better I'll get. Or every day that I am practicing and working on my presentation skills, it becomes easier. Yeah. Or every day that I practice and do homework in a presentation class, I become more comfortable and I learn something better that will help me to become a stronger presenter. Yeah. And when they start thinking those things, they don't feel so discouraged. Mm, they don't yeah. feel so so depressed. They don't feel that avoidance, irritation, uh, wishing that they didn't have this assignment coming up in class. Right. Instead, it's a little more motivating and it takes a little bit of pressure off. I don't have to be great at everything, but, you know, I'm going to practice. And right. every time I practice, I'll be a little bit better. And then they practice a little bit more. And generally speaking, the presentations go a lot better yeah. when they get the final one in class. Yeah. So that's where we shift the thoughts and then the feelings change, the actions change and the outcomes change in that whole cascade of events. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's super, super cool. So kind of, kind of going back to the original point or, or the, one of the original questions of this podcast, um, what would you, what do you think our listeners should take away for just basic skills or yeah, just basic skills of personal or business communication? Like what are just some things that you recommend like people can practice or stuff like that? Things that are really yeah. important. So the first thing I would say is know yourself as a communicator. Mm-hmm. Improving your communication skills will always pay off. It'll pay off whether it's written communication, interpersonal, verbal, spoken communication, right. or presentation skills. I would say first start with talking to three or four people who are close to you and asking them for some honest feedback. Yeah. What do you, what do I do well? Do you consider me to be a good listener? Am I someone who has trouble speaking my mind because I'm a little bit afraid from conflict? Am I someone who's a yes man and agrees with people and has more of that group think? What, you know, get some feedback by pe- from people who know you well so that right. you get a baseline of where to start. Most individuals do not like hearing their own voice. Most individuals do <laughs> yep. not like watching themselves present or share information in a scenario, but becoming desensitized to that, listening to your voice will give you tons of feedback and information for improvement. And it's true if you watch yourself in presentation as well. I don't know how you analyze your podcasts and evaluate your content and the flow of material and your word choices. But when we reach a perspective where we're just curious about it, yeah. We're not judgmental. We're not using it as a way to beat ourselves up. Oh, I sound so nasal. I sound terrible. You know, I can't believe I said, um, you know, <laughs> times. 
you know, we're not using this to beat ourselves up. We're just becoming curious. Yeah. yeah. Communication is a lifelong skill. Hopefully most college students have another 75 years ahead of them of communicating. So any time and, and interest that's put into improving those skills will help you across the board. Yeah. Awesome. That's sweet. So any, so kind of to wrap things up, what are just some general advice you have to share with, with our listeners maybe that are about to graduate or getting through their college um, classes or careers? First of all, congratulations. Anyone who is working hard in college, is about to graduate, is entering into their career, congratulations to you. That's fantastic that you're taking these actions. Second of all, communication is no different than health. Part of the process as a young adult of transitioning into independence, away from that college campus, away from the comforts of home, you know, to living independently is learning how to take good care of your health. And it's learning how to communicate well also. Yeah. A lot of college students in my class, they all raise their hands. They think that they're great communicators. It becomes clear with not a lot of effort and just a little bit of video analysis and some written work that there is room for growth. So opening your mind to the possibility that you will continually grow your communication skills is another good place to start. Everyone's different. There's no right or wrong. Some people might be interested in public speaking and might want to read a book about it or watch yeah. some, some good videos of excellent public speakers to take things away from that. Someone else might be interested more of Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people or more persuasive communication. Someone else might be interested in a book like Crucial Conversations, something about conflict and how to deal with that. Some students are interested in negotiation and using their communication skills for influence in that way to have a mutually beneficial win-win situation. Communication is so broad. There are so many venues that you can explore to see what appeals to you. I, I love that. Any book recommendations you have? Oh, Vincent, I have so many recommendations. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Okay. Um, generally, her work is as a social worker, talks about vulnerability and shame and some different things, but Dare to Lead is created for a business audience. It's a cool perspective. Um, yep. Fantastic book. I am a big fan of several different books on storytelling especially for those people who are going to be presenting either one-on-one, -on -one, small group, or to larger presentations, learning how to tell a story well and to create whatever your business message is in a storytelling context is going to help you tremendously in achieving your goals and being successful. Humans are hardwired to listen to stories. We've been doing it for thousands of years and there are several books out there that are good at helping students to understand that framework or young professionals to understand that framework. Because always when we're communicating, the goal is to speak in a way that our audience can hear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Speak in a way that our audience can hear. And I'm, I mean, that's a fundamental and I haven't even brought it up till the end of this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that is crucial. It's not just about you. It's not about what you know. It's not just about your knowledge and how credible you are and the experience you've had, but it's putting things in a context that someone else can hear it. 
You know, it's interesting too, because in marketing 250 was one of the classes that the bro students have to take business communication. Um, one of the greatest takeaways I learned from that class is to know your audience. Cause yeah. if you don't know your audience, then they're not going to really pay attention to what you're saying. And you want to be able to cater what you're saying to what they want to hear. Absolutely. So it's an awesome I, perspective. Yep. I taught an honors college section of marketing 250 for my first few years at MSU. And it's fundamental truth of what you can learn, you know, to do and practice. Yeah. Awesome. Great stuff. I love what you said about how communication is like your health. That's a great takeaway and yeah. really, really cool perspective. But Professor, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you coming on. You are welcome, Vincent. It's been my pleasure. Always enjoy seeing you. My pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to you and your audience as well. I just want to encourage anyone who's interested to reach out to me. I am open via email. You can make appointments with me at the Broad um, Russell Palmer Career Center via Handshake. I'd be more than happy to sit and chat. We will also put all that information in the description below. So we will have that for you guys. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, take care. If you like what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. This is Lance Mullen, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA, or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association, is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business, located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com. Mm-hmm.